You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dear Governor is a production of iHeartMedia and 3 Much Media. Dear Governor Newsom. Dear Mr. Governor Newsom. This is an open letter to Governor Gavin Newsom. Dear Governor Newsom. had been launched out of the cell door and into the sergeant's heart. Jarvis Masters on the prison murder of Sergeant Hal Birchfield on June 8, 1985, the crime for which he was convicted of conspiracy to commit murder and sentenced to death row. The reason why I ended up getting death row is because I didn't try to defend myself. I thought that these guys are in trouble, not me, you know. Oh, hell no. I didn't try to defend myself. I said to my lawyers, you better not say anything because this don't have nothing to do with us. They don't have nothing to do with us. It's these guys. They already know I didn't do it. They already know I didn't do it, so don't worry about it, man. If I, if I get involved in their business, they're going to get mad at me, and they may try to do something to me, you know? And these guys are telling my lawyers, this is none of you guys' business. This is us. They know, we know Jarvis didn't do it. Everyone knows Jarvis wasn't involved. I mean, we had no idea. The murder happened on the second chair, right below me. That was a south block in C-section on the fourth tier in cell two, right above the office area before it tears up of the guards. They said that I sharpened the weapon and sent it down to the guy who then made it into a, a pole and speared the guard. That's how they explained my involvement in it. When they got the opportunity, they had prepared what was referred to as a San Quentin spear, which is a newspapers and magazines that are rolled very, very tightly into a shaft, so tight and so heavy that if it hit you on the head, it would leave a bump on your head. 
Daniel Vasquez was warden and chief executioner in charge of San Quentin's security housing unit when Sergeant Birchfield was murdered in 1985. Here he is reflecting on his memory of the crime. They had sawed off, I don't know how they did that, but they sawed off a piece of the bunk and they fashioned it into a spear, spear point, and they attached it to this uh, shaft, uh, you know, magazines and newspapers, and they stabbed him through the cell bars. They hit him in the heart. Jarvis's memory on the night of the murder. Oh, man, I remember hearing the alarm. The alarm inside C-section. It was right there that we all heard alarm in the morning, and uh, it only was a few more hours before daylight, I think. And one, I think one guard came up, was walking with tears, and they said uh, he passed away. Had you known Sergeant Birchfield before he died? You know, I've seen him a lot. You know, I've seen him a lot. I don't think I never, we never got into any words. No, I, 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 he worked in that unit. And had you known that there, that there was a conspiracy that was being coordinated to kill him? Were you aware of that? No, I wasn't a part of any of that. There was a lot of violence. There was a lot of violence in San Quentin at that time. Can you speak to the Black Gorilla family? Because I know that they ultimately were assigned with masterminding it. Um, who were they and what was your association with them? I do not want to speak about them. Okay. Okay. Um, According to court documents, this case involved a conspiracy by members of the prison gang known as the Black Gorilla Family to assault and kill San Quentin prison staff and ultimately to foment war with the other prison gangs. The conspiracy culminated in the murder of Sergeant Birchfield. Black Gorilla member, prison snitch, and witness for the state, Rufus Willis, provided prosecutors with incriminating notes, also known as prison kites, confirmed to be in the handwriting of Jarvis. Jarvis wrote the kite for Rufus, which ultimately implicated him. Why do you think he did that? Do you have a theory? I don't know that he did. Jeffrey Rotline, lead defense attorney for Jarvis's murder trial. That was a big issue during, during the trial. Weren't certain about that. I think we took a position at the trial that he wrote it, but he he was asked basically to copy somebody else's information on onto what they call a kite, you know, a note. Jarvis on his involvement in the prison kite. What got me in trouble was the fact that I copied a note, what we call a kite in prison for someone who was involved in the in the murder. He was deeply involved. He was one of the ones who made a deal with law enforcement. And law enforcement said, hey, if you go down there and you get something in master's handwriting, we will promise you that you don't spend another day in prison. So he sends me a note and he says, I need you to copy this because I don't want it in my handwriting. And two things hit me before I said yes. The first thing was that I was not in good standing with the group because totally against what they were thinking about. I wasn't for sure what they decided what they were thinking about. 
second reason why I signed it was because I wanted to know what it said. I was this 24-year-old kid or something like that, and a guard had just been killed. And he's given me the right to copy something. Now, to me, that was a privilege. To me, in my way of thinking, that was like, wow, he trusts me to do this. He trusts me to know all this stuff and for me to keep my mouth shut about it. I thought it was a privilege. I thought it was a good idea. I thought he he chose me because he trusted me more than anyone else. What did he have you write? It was the full detail of everything that happened. The full detail of everything that happened. From the way it was decided, from the planning, from uh, the weapon being moved from one place to another, the whole ABC all the way up to the death of Sergeant Birchfield. Up next, Jarvis on what would compel him to copy the kites of another inmate. Mother's Day is coming, and Mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get Mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get Mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. 
thought they were going to kill me. So I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In 2011, Marin County Superior Court Judge Lynn Drury was appointed as referee to review questions raised in Jarvis Masters' habeas petition. At the 13-day hearing, the referee heard expert testimony from a prominent and esteemed forensic linguist, Dr. Robert Leonard, who argued that the kites that had been used against Jarvis had been authored by someone other than Jarvis. He said, quote, the language of the kites admittedly copied by Jarvis were not congruent with spelling and language he used in numerous other notes and letters at the time. In other words, they were copied by Jarvis verbatim from the actual author. After hearing Dr. Leonard's expert testimony, the referee conceded that his evidence was compelling. Jarvis maintains that copying kites in prison was commonplace for inmates back then, so I asked Warden Vasquez. Is it common practice that that inmates copy kites for other inmates? Copy kites, yes, and, and also pass them to the other inmates. It could be, it, it could be either way, either the, the inmate who the originator of the kite you know, would have it uh, uh, delivered to the inmate he intended to have it delivered to. Or, you know, sometimes uh, an inmate would copy it. How do they pass the kite? How does one kite get from one cell to another? It's usually done by what they call a fish line. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have a, a, a way of, you know, swinging it through the cell bars and, and having it fished out to the next inmate. Is that why it's called a kite? Because it has a fish line? No, no, it's okay. just it's just called a kite because it's a it's an unofficial um, uh, communication between inmates, and for some reason or other, they've always called it a kite. What I copied was that um, he said that I was a good member of the gang, and when I read that, then I thought, wow, he really trusts me because he said I lived up to my part and. You know, I was a straight-up good soldier, and, you know, when I read that part, I just felt like, wow, he's really supporting me. He's really caring about me. I honestly thought that the reason why he asked me to copy was because he trusts me. Mm -hmm. And the comments he wrote in there was, he even said, when you read this, you'll see that I'm giving you major props. So that shows you how much I care about you, how much I like you. I'm, I'm giving you major props. And I felt, wow, you know, I mean, I was, I was like, I was like the happiest guy to be doing this for someone who had all the information of what just happened. He could have given it anybody to copy. You know, it was not like, you know, it was a fool for me to copy. Anybody would have copied that thing because everybody wanted to know exactly what happened. Everyone wanted to know the details. And he gave me a chance to learn the details. Anyway. I didn't know he had already made a deal with law enforcement, and they sent him up there to get a note copy for me, a detailed mm -hmm. note. He was smart enough to write the note, write the detail, and get me to copy it. Mm -hmm. So I copied it. Mm -hmm. I copied it. And he turns it in to the law enforcement, and that's the physical evidence they have against me. I was mm -hmm. stupid. I didn't know. I, I was totally on a whole nother different page than what his intentions were. I had no idea what was happening. Mm -hmm. But that said, that said, 
everybody who was accused, thought of, rumored about, were taken out of that unit and placed in solitary confinement in the adjustment center. And when the adjustment center was filled up, they sent them to Folsom State Prison to isolate them. They took a whole tier. Everybody in that area, anyone they thought was involved in it, they took out of that building and placed them in solitary confinement, deep in the hole. Some places, they were so deep you can barely hear the other guy. It was hollowed. He was behind not just one door, but another door, and then another door. You were isolated completely. They took everyone out, but they left me there. The man who pulled Santa sharpened the weapon. The guy who pulled it had ascended down to Johnson. The guy who's supposed to have wrote a plan, a detailed plan of everything that happened, everything that happened from A to Z in, in my handwriting and left me in that same cell. Mm. They left me in that cell for six months. Mm. And this guy's supposed to be a bad dude. He's supposed to be the one that sharpened weapons, who are ready to kill guards, who's ready to attack guards any minute now. But yet, they left me in that same cell. They let me go to the yard that, in that note that, that said it was planned that. They let me go to the commissary. They let me get my visits. They let me walk among the guards. They let me shower on the tier. In fact, they did nothing that they didn't do to the rest of the population, 200 people, 300 people in that building. I was among everybody. I went to the yard with everybody. Their whole response to that kite that I copied, to them believing that I sharpened the weapon that killed a guard, and who's to say that I was going to sharpen more weapons to kill more guards? They put their guards in jeopardy to think that I even sharpened a weapon, to believe I sharpened a weapon. Why do you think it took six months for them to... Because they knew I was involved. They knew that was the guy who told me to to copy the note. They knew it was a copy note. They had no intentions of charging me. They had no intentions of putting me involved in that. They had none. If they had one iota of intentions of believing that those knives that I sharpened at night, I don't belong in that building. I belong in a dungeon. I am just as guilty as the guy who did it. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? 
look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jarvis said that for six months following the death of Sergeant Hal Birchfield, he had zero reason to believe or even consider that he was under suspicion for participating in the conspiracy to commit murder. I asked how it was that he finally found out that the powers that be intended to prosecute him. When he finally filed charges, uh, I was watching TV and my face appeared on television. I said, oh, shit. You know, you know. We interrupt this program and say we are charging, you know, and I'm looking at me, and me looking at I. It was not a good thing. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's how I knew. I mean, I never, I was never part of the, the dragnet, you know. I was never part of the interviews. I was never part of being transferred to another unit, being suspect for another unit, having myself searched as if I was, you know, no, you you accuse of sharpening a weapon, and they don't search yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't send you to solitary confinement like they did everyone else. I knew those guys was in a lot of trouble, and I felt sorry for them. You know, I felt sorry for the whole scene. And next thing I know, I'm looking at me on on TV, and I'm saying, "Wow, what in the hell's going on?" And that morning, they came and got me and threw me in a dungeon. Sergeant Birchfield was stabbed in the heart in the hallway of the second tier of the Carson section of San Quentin, the so-called C-section. Court papers say this occurred two stories beneath Jarvis's cell, right outside the cell of Andre Johnson, the man accused of the actual murder. The weapon, the metal shiv that the investigators said was constructed from the bedpost, was never recovered. I wish they would have found that weapon. Because that weapon would have been my way out of here. 
I really believe if they found that weapon, I would not have been charged for murder. It's because they did not find it that got me in trouble. I, that's my belief. If they found the actual weapon, then they would have known somehow, fingerprints, something, anything would have said that it was not me that sharpened it. Anything. Because you sharpen it on the floor if you're going to sharpen it. And why did they go in my cell and see if my cell had any scrapes on it? Well, here's the thing. This is what I always thought. If they would have found that weapon, they could have took the grooves off that weapon and compared it to whatever groove that they may have seen me scratching it or sharpening it on the floor. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was my way out because I knew that was not going to happen that way. But they don't know where it's at. And now an open letter to Governor Newsom from Michael Satris one of the attorneys that represented Jarvis in the late 1980s throughout the murder trial that sent him to death row. Dear Governor Newsom, your moratorium on executions in California reflects the reality that there is no right person for the state to kill. But Jarvis is inestimably the wrong person. Singled out among the many charged defendants and uncharged co-conspirators, to avenge the murder of Sergeant Birchfield in the bowels of San Quentin, Jarvis was a pawn in the game, even under the prosecution's theory of his guilt. Neither the actual killer nor the shot caller. Most ironic is that at the time the judgment of death was pronounced upon him, Jarvis was also the only one who had demonstrably reformed and changed himself maturing from a sullen and angry young revolutionary gang member into a thoughtful and caring individual who had gained insight into himself and the world around him, as well as a measure of peace and understanding. I know this because I was appointed as his counsel shortly after the capital charges were lodged against him and literally stood at his side more than three years later in June 1990 when the judge imposed the death penalty upon him, encouraging him to express himself in writing, develop his spirituality, and examine and reflect upon himself and the world around him, his eyes and ears and soul open to the world both within him and without him. He soaked up all that positive and expansive outflow like a sponge, so that in the most unlikely circumstances of fighting for his life from the deepest hole in which the state could bury him, his humanity flowered. I have kept in touch with Jarvis over the many years since then, periodically seeing him and reading his books and talking to his supporters, and know that he has steadfastly maintained and enlarged upon his rehabilitation and pro-social ways to become the remarkable human being that he is today. One can only wonder who Jarvis would have become had the state not used all its resources to imprison him as a teenager and thereafter employ the machinery of death against him, but instead had deployed those resources in the name of his life at the outset, addressing all the childhood trauma, deprivation, violence, oppression, and neglect that was his unique experience growing up. Unquestionably, Jarvis is the wrong person to execute. 
as the doubt of his guilt that lingered at the time of judgment has only gathered and grown stronger over the decades as exonerating evidence and recantations accumulated. Ultimately, the evidence is too uncertain and changeable to support the weight of a judgment as certain and final as death and has grown irresistibly stronger in favor of life every day of the 35 years I have known Jarvis. Respectfully submitted, Michael Satras. Next week, an epic five-year trial that would end in the death conviction for Jarvis and why he thinks he got the death sentence when the other two inmates also accused in the conspiracy were given life without the possibility of parole. Today's episode was written and produced by Donna Fazari and myself, Corny Cole. Our theme song, Sentenced, is compliments of the band Stick Figure from their album Set in Stone. Stu Sternbach has composed the original music. Nate DeFort did the sound design. Visit FreeJarvis.org to find out more about Jarvis's case and to sign your name to our Dear Governor Newsom petition. And if you have questions for Jarvis, please leave a message on our hotline at 201-903-3575. That's 201-903-3575. Dear Governor Newsom is a production of iHeartMedia and Three Mutts Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.